I'm very happy to welcome all of you. This is the 22nd three-month course, 21st here at IMS. And so you're sitting in a room full of vibes. My name is Joseph Goldstein. Introduce some of my colleagues, Carol Wilson and Stephen Smith. Uh, Michelle McDonald-Smith and Steve Armstrong will also be teaching this first six weeks. Tonight's a auspicious night to begin this retreat. Not only is it the first day of autumn, but as many of you probably know, it's also the Jewish High Holy Day of Yom Kippur, which is perhaps the holiest day in the Jewish year. And so it seems fitting that we actually are beginning something that is also holy and sacred on this day. When we first began teaching the three-month course, uh, we basically didn't know what we were doing. And people came and we started sitting in silence the first night they arrived. and. At the end of three months, the silence ended and everybody went home with no integration period. And we heard stories of the casualties all up and down the East Coast <laughs> as people were trying to integrate. Well, it took us a while to realize that we needed a few days at the end of the retreat for people to kind of decompress and start relating again. It took us a few more years to realize that it was actually helpful to have a couple of days at the beginning of the retreat. Just as a way of arriving, of settling in, of finishing whatever business you might have, letters or telephone calls, chance for you to get to know one another, at least a little bit. And then, after two days, Tuesday night, we'll begin the formal opening of the retreat with the refuges and the precepts and going into the silence of the three months. The value of having these few days is that by the time we enter that space of silence, uh, for the most part, you will really be here. You'll be present. Hopefully having finished you know, the last things that you need to do before that. It's really at that time that we together both create and enter into a very sacred space. Last weekend, we had a two-day IMS board meeting. And part of the meeting, there was a visioning process that the board went through. And part of that process was <coughs> to re-articulate the vision, the mission, of what all of us here are doing together. And not surprisingly, although it was very beautiful to see, the heart of the vision, the heart of the mission, was extremely clear to all of us. And that is that what you as yogis and staff and teachers and board members and all the people involved in the IMS community, what it all revolves about 
about is liberation. That's what this place is about. That's what our practice is about. What we're doing here all together is to practice disentangling the mind from all of those forces and conditions and habits which cause suffering to ourselves and other people. Disentangling from the habits of greed, of hatred, of ignorance, of fear, of delusion. And it's really quite amazing and wonderful that a hundred people gather together for this purpose. It's really quite rare in the world. Even that it is of value, much less the gathering of people committed to practicing that value. But probably as all of you know, This path of liberation is not an easy task. It's simple to understand, but it's not easy to do, given the tremendous power of the conditioning in the mind. There are strong habits of judging, of comparing, of liking, of disliking, of wanting, of aversion, of getting lost in past, getting lost in future, It takes a very strong commitment. It takes a certain fire within us to engage this path of awakening, of liberation from this conditioning, from these habits. Certain fire to practice wakefulness and to stay awake, to stay aware. So an interesting question to consider just at the beginning is where does this commitment come from? Now what's the source within us that nurtures this commitment to awaken? I think to a large extent it comes from the quality of interest. That quality of being interested in the nature of our mind, the nature of our body, the nature of freedom, the nature of suffering, of how we can actually liberate ourselves, not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of all others too. This commitment to awaken is born out of the willingness to know ourselves very deeply, to know all the parts of ourselves, You know, whatever arises in this period of time, can we have the interest, can we have the willingness to see it, to experience it, to be with it? In the course of the next six weeks or the next three months, there are going to be a lot of surprises. Guaranteed, it's not going to be as you expect it. And that, in some sense, is the great mystery and the great uh, surprise 
of the Dharma journey. We never know what's going to emerge, what's going to come. Sometimes you undoubtedly will be tremendously fascinated, you know, and happy and elated and excited, and other times, as you know, it will be unpleasant and boring and painful, and just go through all of these cycles, pleasant and unpleasant, up and down. The quality of interest in this whole passing show of experience allows us to be with it all. And the quality of heart, the quality of mind that supports the interest, and one which we'll be talking about very often through the retreat and practicing it through the retreat, and is such an essential part of this whole path of awakening is the quality of metta. That quality of loving kindness, loving friendship towards ourselves, towards our own experiences and towards all the people around us. Each one of us has tremendous parami, tremendous background of wholesome karma that brings us here. And the understanding of that, the understanding of the deep paramis that create this opportunity for practice can also be the source of tremendous good feeling, even as we go through difficulties. Good feeling about ourselves, good feeling about our fellow yogis. Can we remember, can we practice, can we nurture this feeling of metta, of goodwill, towards whatever arises. Remember once I was in Bodh Gaya practicing in India. It was early on, um, and at some point I was in I was in town for something in the village of Bodh Gaya, and I was at a chai shop, having a cup of tea with friends. And Munindraji, my first teacher, comes along. He's walking by, and he stops and he says to me, "You know how how are you doing? How's things going?" And I said, oh, I have this terrible headache. Uh, and he just looked at me with a lot of metta, and he said, oh, I hope you are enjoying it. <laughs> I don't think I was at the time, but it's a good suggestion. You know, if not enjoy in the usual sense, enjoy in that spirit of openness, of willingness, just to explore it all. There's a wonderful uh, poem from a 13th century samurai, and one line in the poem, one line of that poem says, I make my mind my friend. You know, and if you just think of that line, if nothing else were accomplished in the time that you're here, but to make your mind your friend, that would be a vast accomplishment. And in some sense, this is what we're doing. You know, we're becoming friends with ourselves. So one source of this commitment to awakening, to liberation, is this quality of interest 
of investigation supported by metta. The second source of the commitment is something which really uh, pervades both IMS and this retreat, and that is the spirit of renunciation. For these three months, it's as if IMS becomes one of the great meditation monasteries. And the power of all monasteries comes from or is born from the power of renunciation. What I'm about to say, if you can remember through your time here, will be all that you need. Okay? Ready? (laughs) Liberation does not come from what we get, but it comes from what we can let go of. It comes from letting go, not from getting. Can we practice with that spirit throughout the day? with respect to all of our experience. It's not about getting something or having something. It's about letting go. Letting go again and again on deeper and deeper levels until we're not holding on, not grasping, not clinging at anything at all. So one of the aspects of renunciation is the renouncing of pleasure as the guiding principle of our choices here. Very often in our lives, this is a major consideration. How much pleasure will this bring to me? In this meditative monastery, we give up pleasure as the guiding principle, whether it's pleasure of external situations, pleasure of internal experiences, Because freedom is about being free equally, being open equally to what's pleasant, to what's unpleasant, to what's pleasurable, to what's painful. So this is a tremendous reorientation of how we operate in our lives. And it's in this respect that meditation effects a very radical transformation. And it's quite amazing to be in that experience during this period of time. There's the renunciation of family and friends. Each one of you has given up your usual support systems and connections and relationships. It's a tremendous renunciation. Most people in the world would find it very bizarre to do this. Maybe it is bizarre to do this. (laughs) (laughs) and there's a tremendous power from it tremendous clarity and lucidity and interconnectedness that comes out of the silence out of this renunciation there's a renunciation of all the fixed ideas we have you know, of ourselves, of other people, of all the different kinds of self-images. The Dharma practice 
is such a great mystery, it's such a great walking into the unknown. Can we let go of the known? Now, Krishnamurti expressed it so beautifully when he said, it's freedom from the known. That's a great letting go, letting go of our attachment to what we know or think we know about ourselves, about experience, about the world, and just be in the openness of each moment. It's a tremendous, tremendous gift. Just a few reminders, which I'll mention now and will undoubtedly be reiterated throughout the retreat, to begin planting the seeds of remembering uh, some helpful things which will um, support your practice while you're here. And all of this, all of these things you know, it's just to highlight them. Remember that in the natural course of practice, for everyone, there are the cycles of up and down. You know, you feel good, you feel bad, you feel happy, you feel depressed. All the changes of feeling and emotion and sensation and everything. It's all just a display of changing conditions. You know, yesterday, for those of you who are here, you know, you'll know, yesterday was a fantastically beautiful, fall, sunny day. You know, it was crisp and clear and sunny and it was quintessential New England. Today the clouds roll in and it's rainy and gray. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow or in a few days it'll be sunny again. Our practice is just like that. Changing conditions produce changing experiences. Liberation is not about what we can get, but how much we can let go of. See if it's possible to remind yourself to relax behind all the changes. They're natural. It's not that it's a mistake. This is the nature of conditions. So there's the renunciation of pleasure as the guiding principle of our choices. There's the renunciation of our, for this time, of our connection with family and friends. There's the renunciation of all the fixed ideas we have of ourselves. Learning to ride the waves of changing experience. Meditation also is not thinking about things. Now there's a phenomena, and you're very familiar of course with the phenomena of Vipassana romances and Vipassana vendettas. You know, we'll talk more about that. But there's another kind of uh, Vipassana quality. It's called Vipassana brilliance. And somehow, when we sit on our cushion, somehow the mind gets very brilliant. And it has all of these wonderful ideas. Either ideas about problem solving, you know, solving our life, our life dukkha, or developing some wonderfully creative project, 
writing the great Western novel, and the mind can get completely caught up in this brilliant surge of creativity. First mantra of the Course, nothing is worth thinking about. From the perspective of meditation, in our life, you know, at different times, things are worth thinking about, at times, occasionally, (laughs) once in a great while. (laughs) But on the retreat, from the perspective of letting go, nothing is worth thinking about, because it's just, no matter how brilliant, and there'll be lots of brilliant ideas, can we remember, can we practice remembering, let go of this too, let go of this. And this understanding arises out of the understanding that insight is intuitive. It's not from a thought process. The whole development of the path, this path of awakening, path of liberation, comes through a process of intuitive wisdom, not deductive wisdom. What does intuitive wisdom mean? It means that as we're practicing, we find ourselves opening to new spaces, new experiences, experiences that we have not had before, not because we're thinking it through, but just through the power of the awareness. Oh, this is a new slant on things. So we see things in a new and different way. Intuitive wisdom in the sense of direct seeing, direct experience, not filtered by thought, Intuitive wisdom in the sense of the changes in the way we're relating to experience. Not only different experiences themselves, but in the manner of our relationship, we go through many changes. This is the path of wisdom that unfolds for us. We begin to go from our own individual story, which we're so enmeshed in, even our own individual spiritual story, we begin to come out of that to something much more universal, something much more interconnected. These first couple of days as we gather together, it's really really a wonderful thing that's happening. It's it's the creation of this very special three-month course consciousness, you know, that happens every year in this, at this time at IMS. You know, and after 20 plus years, it's it's a tremendous experience. And it also feels to me not only that we all gather in together, creating a sacred space for awakening, but it also feels as if the great Deva Dharma protectors also gather. You know, and they really also help provide a space of safety and of protection and of energy for our practice. The Dalai Lama expressed it as usual so so well and so warmly when he said It's as if we're all resting with our heads in the lap of the Buddha. That's such a wonderful image. 
you know, to feel that we're resting in the lap of the Buddha. One of the things that makes not only this retreat possible, but also the entire operation of this center possible, is the amazing dedication of the staff. Uh, it's, it's an enormous undertaking to support the practice of a hundred people for three months. And the spirit with which it's done uh, by the staff is quite amazing. So I would like to ask those staff who are present now, if they would just stand and introduce themselves. Maybe say your name and uh, your particular work or department. These are the people that are really supporting you while you're here. Uh, could you speak a little louder, please? It's hard to hear up front. Thanks. a deep bow to you all. (laughs) These are the people who really make all of this possible. Uh, The schedule for the next couple of days will be posted, but I just wanted to go over a couple of uh, things in it. Um, As I don't know if it's posted yet or not, but uh, you will notice that uh, during the course of tomorrow and the next day there are some scheduled work periods. Um, Not only is this, of course, a very helpful uh, offering to the staff to help uh, in the running of the center, there's something uh, else that also happens Now, what we're engaged in, in one sense, can be understood as a purifying process, process of purification. And it's extremely helpful to also purify our environment, to 
clean the environment in which we practice. And the Buddha himself mentioned this when he was talking about the supports for different factors of enlightenment. And he said that one of the supports, the external supports for investigation, the wisdom factor, is to have one's environment as clean and orderly as possible. And so every year before the three-month course, it really creates a wonderful energy when everybody kind of joins together to create this space, you know, of cleanliness, of orderliness, a certain kind, a certain uh, level of purity. And so your, your help in this regard is tremendously appreciated and will very much support your own practice. Um, so I hope you can uh, join in with that spirit. Throughout the day, uh, there are periods of silence that are interspersed. Uh, and this is an extremely helpful way of easing into the retreat and to begin to just learn a kind of balance you know, of being out and relating to one another and talking and then going into the silence and sitting and walking and then coming out and relating again, going back into the silence. Uh, so please note carefully when those times of silence are and enjoy them. Um, you'll probably find them to be a great relief. There are four group sittings scheduled during the day. Uh, the hall is always open, and so you're, you're welcome to sit as much as you like. There'll be a Dharma talk tomorrow night uh, by Steve Armstrong. And then Tuesday night, formally take the refuges and precepts Please keep in mind that the center always operates uh, under the guidance of the precepts, even before they're formally taken at the beginning of a retreat. So please understand you know, the five precepts of not killing, not stealing, uh, refraining from sexual activity, uh, not lying or false speech, and not taking intoxicants. This is really the foundation of our efforts here. Uh, so please be respectful of those, uh, even in these days. The interviews uh, will begin Thursday. We'll go into the silence Tuesday night, Wednesday will be the first full day of practice, and Thursday will begin uh, the interviews. This year, there are three people here during the first six weeks who will be uh, who are part of a teacher training program. Uh, and the three-month course is a wonderful time to help people train as teachers or begin that training. So some of us will uh, be having them sit in on the interviews. If for some reason you find that you know it's too uncomfortable for you, just let us know, and they'll be happy to leave for your interview. But if you don't mind, it's really a tremendous help and service to them, just to get some experience in this whole process of guiding people. Um, so again, if there's some difficulty you have, just let us know. Otherwise, uh, you might see some people in the interview room.
just one person in the interview room. Yeah, there, there would just be one other person in the interview room. They're not all three, kind of. <laughs> hmm, what do you have to say? <laughs> that would be very unobtrusive. Uh, yeah, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, after the first sit, the first group sit is uh, at 8.15. And at 9 o'clock, the managers will give uh, the managers talk. There's a lot of information about the center and the retreat, so please be here for that sit and uh, that information. Do you have any questions or concerns? Again, it's, it's really wonderful that we're all here together. Um, this three-month course, it's a great time. Even with all the ups and downs, or perhaps because of them. So why don't we just, if you'd like to stretch for a moment or two, and then we'll just do a 10 or 15 minute sitting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.